For epilepsy, there is hope. Hey podcast listeners, Tori Robinson here for Epilepsy Sparks Insights, a podcast about epilepsy, epilepsy research, common comorbidities and all of the fascinating medicine and science behind it. I'm a person with epilepsy and I hope to help bridge the unnecessary gap between people with epilepsy, scientists, medical professionals and the public. Whether you have epilepsy, are a family member, a neurologist, psychiatrist, scientist or researcher, Epilepsy Sparks Insights is designed to help you learn more about epilepsy from the other side of the table. This podcast was inspired by Jim Siegler, MD neurologist from the University of Pennsylvania, who is the founder and producer of Brainwaves, a brilliant academic podcast for medical providers in neurology. So check it out. This week on the podcast, we are talking about SUDEP because this Friday, the 23rd of October is SUDEP Action Day. Now, SUDEP stands for Sudden Unexpected Death in Epilepsy. I shall be talking with Sammy Ashby, the Deputy Chief Exec, and Jennifer Thorpe, the Research Assistant from SUDEP Action, to learn about what they do, why SUDEP occurs, some of the research being carried out about it, and how learning about SUDEP is empowering, enabling people with epilepsy to minimize their risk. Hello, both Sammy and Jennifer. Could you please tell us about yourselves and SUDEP Action and what led to SUDEP Action coming to be and to each of you working there? Yeah, absolutely. Shall I start? So I'm Sammy. I'm the Deputy Chief Exec at SUDEP Action. Um, SUDEP Action are the only charity dedicated to raising awareness of epilepsy risks and tackling epilepsy deaths. We're also the only charity that are specialised in supporting people who've been bereaved by epilepsy. And that's because we were originally founded nearly 25 years ago now by five women who have been bereaved by epilepsy. They lost their loved ones and they wanted to do something to make a difference, to help people with epilepsy live a little bit safer and to try and stop some of the deaths from happening each year. Since the charity formed, we have provided free services to help keep people with epilepsy safe, including award-winning risk tools, information, resources, we also provide the only free specialist bereavement support for epilepsy, which includes counselling and support with inquests. Uh, and on top of all of that, we also collaborate with UK and international research teams, striving for answers that we hope will help save lives in future. To answer the second part of your question, kind of how did I end up at SUDEF Action? I suppose I've got personal experience of this myself. I've got a good friend who uh, lives with epilepsy, grew up with epilepsy, and she's now thankfully seizure free. But also my cousin had uh, very severe epilepsy and learning disabilities and sadly he died a number of years ago. So this is very much a cause and a charity that is close to my heart. And I think when, when you're in an industry such as this and helping people regarding things um, such as SUDEP, you have to have that passion, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really, really important. And I know that, that Jennifer has a similar passion for why she's decided to work with us at SUDEP Action as well. Tell us about that, Jennifer. So I'm actually quite new to pseudopaction. I started in March, but I myself have epilepsy and I took quite a twisty, turny route to get where I am, starting with a geography degree. And then living with epilepsy at university was when I really started to struggle with a lot of the stress uh, and my seizures were getting a lot worse. And I just thought I have the resources at the moment to actually look into how other people are dealing with this, which led me to specialise in epilepsy research in geography. So I oh, li- wow. I would yeah. never put those two together. <laughs> I know. And people say that to me all the time. So essentially how it works in geography is you look at how people with epilepsy live in different countries and different towns and also in different spaces. So work, school, public life. And so that really drove my passion to do this as a career and really made me 
want to learn more about other people and it really helped me learn about myself too and then I came across the job at uh, CDF Action and as a research assistant and I was just still so shocked how little I knew just reading the job advert particularly regarding death and so I think the open call was probably about six months and I spent a lot of that six months researching into it and then when I did apply yeah, I, was, I just realised I had such a passion for something that had come up so recently in my life. You're certainly weren't alone not knowing much about SUDEP. It's incredible how so many people affected by epilepsy have no idea about it. Yeah, I know. It is completely shocking. And I look back to even, I say, younger me a year ago, say, I was exposed to so many risks. And although, you know, I knew like alcohol would cause more seizures and things, I never truly understand like the parameters of those risks and actually how severe the consequences could be. So that drives a lot of my work now, you know. I feel like everyone should be entitled to that information and just be aware of those risks. Totally. So I guess that leads us on to the next question. What does SUDEP mean and what do people need to know about their own risks of SUDEP? What can people do to reduce their risks? So SUDEP is somewhat of a confusing um, and misunderstood term, but it essentially means sudden unexpected death in epilepsy, which is when someone with epilepsy dies and no other cause can be found for their death. And whilst it's not a condition in itself, it's categorised as a type of death. And at the moment, researchers don't really know why it happens, but studies suggest that we think it's to do with something that happens in the brain, heart or lungs, or a mixture of all three. And it results in approximately one in every thousand people with epilepsy a year dying of SUDEP. And we think 42% of people could avoid death if there are certain interventions to do with risk. So big one is to maintain communication with your neurologist, make sure that your medication is working correctly, and essentially do everything you can to reduce the number of seizures you have, which will in turn reduce your likelihood of epilepsy mortality and sudden death. Absolutely. So um, as Jennifer said, while we don't really know yet what causes SUDEP to happen, we do know that there are a number of risks that are linked to people with epilepsy dying prematurely. And that could either be from SUDEP or from things like accidents, suicides, drowning, status epilepticus or prolonged seizures. And at SUDEP Action, we cover all of these risks. We don't just focus on the SUDEP risks, but all of the risks that are linked to early epilepsy deaths, because we want to stop all of these epilepsy deaths from happening. And we know that each week, at least 21 people with epilepsy die. And as Jennifer said, 42% of these are potentially avoidable. So there's a lot of work that can be done to help people with epilepsy live safer, longer, happier lives. I really appreciate you saying the happier bit as well, because I think that's a really, really crucial part of the lives of those with epilepsy, which is often overlooked. It's not just about the seizures that you might have or, or even the risk of SUDEP. It's about the, the quality of the person's life. Absolutely. And that's that's very much at the heart of what we do. We try and raise awareness of epilepsy risks because knowing about these risks is really important. But it's more than that. It's about kind of empowering and making people feel confident enough that they can do something about it. And that in turn, by doing something about these risks, reducing them where possible, they're going to have more control over their epilepsy, hopefully improve their well-being and just be able to live the life that they really deserve. And that's why we advocate always talking about these epilepsy risks and learning about them as much as you can to 
because by doing that, you can take your positive steps to reduce them. You can also make informed choices about your epilepsy and your lifestyle, which if you're unaware, you're wandering around like a ticking time bomb, potentially. You don't have the information at your fingertips to make the smart choices or to not make those smart choices, but to know why you're not doing it and know the consequences of those actions. When it comes to epilepsy risk, though, we know that they're really individual. So Jennifer mentioned a few of them about seizure freedom or kind of getting control of your seizures as much as possible being a really important one and remembering to take your medication as prescribed by your clinician. They're really important. But at the same time, epilepsy risks are really, really individual and they can change over time. So it's we always recommend regular risk communication with the clinician who supports you with your epilepsy, whoever that might be, whether it's a specialist or your GP or a nurse, because discussing these risks means you can keep an eye on if they start to fluctuate or change so you can take that early action and do some positive steps to kind of regain control if things are going a little bit off kilter for you and it's because of this kind of changeable complex and really personal nature of epilepsy risk that's why pseudofraction created our pseudo and seizure safety checklist so a tool that helps support clinicians who may not have a great knowledge of of epilepsy risk and pseudep themselves, particularly if they're a more general clinician, it helps them to discuss these epilepsy risks with their patients to try and really understand and personalise their care to make sure the patients are getting the, the best information and advice possible to suit their particular epilepsy. But on top of that, we also have created our Epsmon app, which is effectively a version of the checklist for people with epilepsy. And it just helps you keep an eye on your risks, your epilepsy, and as we talked about a minute ago, that overall well-being. How are you doing personally? How is your life affecting you? And what can you do to make sure that you're living well with the condition? Brilliant. But what would you potentially recommend for people who go and see their neurologist, um, their clinician or their GP, and they don't feel that they have the support of that individual and because there's such lack of awareness generally speaking amongst many clinicians of SUDEP what should they then do should they contact you potentially for more information SUDEP action what would you recommend well thankfully things are getting better more clinicians are knowing about this and are much more receptive and hopefully it's becoming more and more of a minority where you come up against this resistance or this lack of information we know it's not completely eradicated yet, but it, it certainly has been getting better over the last so many years. So hopefully people won't be coming up against this resistance too often. But if it does happen, if you are going and you're wanting to talk about epilepsy risks, you're wanting to know more about SUDEP, and you're not really getting the answers that you want, it is important to look at where else you can go and, and looking for trusted places. Everyone's turned to go, like Dr. Google before now, and that, that <laughs> can be one of the worst things to do because pseudep and epilepsy risk can be a really scary topic if it's not handled in the right way if you're not getting the information in a way that empowers you it that can have a real difference on how you feel able and how you feel confident to be able to address these risks so as you say it's about looking for those trusted sites where you can get some information from if perhaps it's not as forthcoming from the med medical professionals that you that you engage with so places like the pseudofaction website obviously all of the information that we have on our website is provided free. So you can download our leaflets, access our Epsilon app, have a look at the information that's on our website itself. And all of this, this information is evidence-based as well. So we always ground it in what the latest evidence is that's out there that's strong and consistent about epilepsy risks and epilepsy mortality. So that we know that the information we're providing will really help people to upskill and learn what they should be doing themselves. Because there is a lot that people with epilepsy can do themselves to help 
mitigate their risks and reduce them where possible. There will be instances where, of course, you're going to need your health professional support and you should always make sure that you're working with them as much as possible to reduce these risks. But there will also be elements that you can do yourself. So finding out what those are and taking the action where you can will give you a kind of a step in the right direction, even if you do have not as positive relationship with your clinician as perhaps you would like when it comes to talking about SUDEP and FXE risk. It's only recently, relatively recently, that I learned about SUDEP and started talking to you and your team. And I was like, why wasn't I told about this? And I think a lot of people are very scared to talk about it because they don't want to worry people too much. But I can say from what I've read of families who've lost somebody to SUDEP, they wish that they'd known about it so they could, as you put it, minimize their risk. Once you've you know what the, your risks are, your specific risks, you've done all you can to minimize them. That would hopefully give people some sense of relief. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I think because we don't know what ultimately what causes, what the mechanisms are that trigger SUDEP to happen, there is always this element of unknown. But there are definitely yeah. steps that can be taken, which will hopefully do all you can to, to reduce those risks and to help you live well with the condition as well. So yeah, absolutely advocate for people understanding that and finding out about it and doing all they can to, to reduce those risks where possible. Jennifer, you were going to say something before I so rudely interrupted. <laughs> no, don't worry. Um, I was just going to add on to your point, Tori, about some clinicians being a little resistant and maybe underplaying your condition. And I have to say that sometimes I'm my own worst enemy. And if I may have had a really rubbish few months and then the day that my appointment comes around, I'm like, uh, actually, I'm feeling better. And like I maybe go to the appointment and not really illustrate how bad things have been for me. And I've actually found that using seizure diaries and Epsilon, that's really helped me advocate for myself because I have it written in front of me. These are the issues catalog that I've had. And so that's actually been really useful to be my own best advocate and making sure that clinicians take me seriously when the evidence is there in front of them. Keeping a diary is absolutely crucial. I've been in exactly the same circumstances you were illustrating. You're having a good day. You go to your neurologist. Yeah, you know what? Things are fine. And you never know, like later on that day, you could have a seizure and things aren't so great. And you're not going to effectively manage your risk of SUDEP unless you communicate effectively what you have been going through in the past period of time since you last saw your neurologist to your neurologist. Yeah and so I think a lot of these tools and a lot of online information definitely helps with that just knowing what you can bring up in your appointments and also having a backlog of information that illustrates exactly what your problems are. And I think it also can provide some sort of sense of although perhaps limited um, control for people, at least you're knowing that you're doing all you can to minimize your risk, to better your quality of life. And the same goes for carers, for people of those with epilepsy. Yeah, definitely. Because sometimes you do, particularly if you have pushback from a clinician, you're kind of just at the mercy of another person and whatever they diagnose you with goes. But I think if you have your own ideas and your own questions, that's really empowering. Totally. And in fact, I was speaking to Dr. Rhys Thomas relatively recently, earlier this year, and he actually said, if you don't get on with your neurologist, your clinician, that's fine. Ask for another one. And I think that's a really important point. 
because not everybody gets on with each other and that uh, the relationship that you have with your neurologist is crucial when you're going to minimize your risk and would you agree with that yeah i think it's about making sure you feel confident and comfortable enough in your own knowledge about sfc risk that you can kind of as jennifer was saying advocate for the care that you that you want and that you need in order to help you manage both your epilepsy and your well-being and these risks that we've been talking about today it's about making sure you can have those open and honest and frank conversations with the person who is kind of a partner in your care really mm. and that's what you need to be looking for you want to be able to have someone where they are helping and enabling you to to get con- as good of control over your epilepsy as is possible for you can you tell me about any specific current and upcoming studies that you're involved in and who else is involved in those studies of course uh, so we work with a number of research projects, mainly focusing on better understanding epilepsy risk, so looking at SUDEP, understanding epilepsy deaths, and also looking at the impact that epilepsy deaths have on, the, on people who are bereaved by epilepsy, because that's a very kind of underfunded and often not very looked at area of epilepsy research. We've got a number of projects that we work on at the moment, and I've already mentioned a couple of them before, so I'll talk about them briefly. Uh, SUDEP and seizure safety checklist is one of our long running projects where we've been working with clinicians around the country, particularly Dr. Rohit Shankar is our checklist partner, to look at how we can help support clinicians around the UK to structure epilepsy risk communication in a way that almost creates a bit of a formula for these discussions to happen. So it normalises this conversation about a a potentially quite scary topic, but in a way that kind of makes it quite factual, makes it empowering, and helps make that kind of knowledge transfer of information a lot more positive for people. We've been working on that project for a number of years now, and um, we, in 2018, we finally were able to show that by using the checklist regularly, our research showed that it does help reduce risk in people who have been known to be flagged at more risk. So it helps people kind of get that control to understand what steps they can take and to actually take that action, which is fantastic. And the checklist is currently now used by over a thousand clinicians across the UK. Oh, yes, I saw that pop up online. That's fantastic. And do you know what? It's great as well for those of us affected by epilepsy to have kind of regular reminders just to keep going back to it. So it kind of becomes, I think, a routine for us, for us and our clinicians. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's the case that kind of if if people know that these tools are out there, even if their clinician isn't perhaps using it or might not be overtly using it, is having that check of kind of, have you heard about this? Could, could this be something that we could help inform our conversations a little bit more? We've also got a project called the WAD, the Wearable Apnea Detection Device, which we work on with, with um, researchers at UCL and at Imperial College London to look at a device that will hopefully kind of detect kind of when nighttime seizures go a little bit wrong, because we know that quite a lot of SUDEPs tend to happen at night. Nighttime surveillance and how people are looked after at night, particularly if they have nighttime seizures, can be a risk factor for epilepsy deaths. So we've got this device that's in in trial now, hopefully, to understand what goes on when these seizures happen and hopefully to help kind of boost that early intervention so that people can get the help that they need. Well, without research, we have nothing, I think. Research is absolutely crucial because when we have clean data, that's what we can use to put together our algorithms and create new devices, products, information for patients and carers and and clinicians that can help minimise our SUDEP risk and make life just generally better for patients. I think it's 
it's about learning lessons as well from what's gone before so that you're mm-hmm. not reinventing the wheel and that's why we created our epilepsy death register because we wanted to gather the experiences of people who had lost a loved one to see if we could learn lessons from what had happened in their loved one's death and in the lead up to their death to try and stop that from happening in future and i think that's really important there's, there's a wealth of data and research already out there and it's looking at what can we learn from it what can we build on from it and how can we really make an impact now to help people with epilepsy living now reduce their risk now so that we can hopefully try and prevent some deaths now kind of additionally to that with the impact of research particularly with the epilepsy death register and some of the covid19 research i'm doing we really make an effort to use numerical data that shows the statistics on these are the issues that are happening, but also to shine a light on the lived experience of people. Oh, yes. Um, the study, which you're doing with the University of Oxford with um, Arjun Sen, I believe, um, into how COVID has impacted people affected by epilepsy. Is, is that the case? Yes, yes. And it's really, really exciting. And I'm really, really happy that we are able to uh, produce a platform to have people with epilepsy's voices heard um, and so far we've had so much support from the epilepsy community from people with epilepsy and healthcare workers and we've so far globally garnered about 2,000 responses uh, so which, cool. <laughs> yeah which is a huge data set and it's you know you very rarely come across big research pools of data globally particularly And then in the UK, we have about 450, 460 responses. We're working on the analysis now, and it's going to be so valuable in highlighting the health issues that people with epilepsy are going through during COVID-19 and the reasons for that. So like you said earlier, well-being is so important and mental health is challenging for everyone at the moment. And it's particularly harmful for people who have seizures and may be triggered by their mental health and then access to healthcare. And we get the impression that a lot of people feel forgotten about or just completely in limbo. And all of these stresses, again, can kind of spiral into having more seizures and having a worsening, declining in health. I'm really excited to be able to highlight some of these issues and really get them out into the public sphere. So watch the space. (laughs) No, that's brilliant. And, you know, I think this is something that people without epilepsy should be able to relate to, too. Because lots of people are feeling the stresses of lockdown. We don't know what's going to happen. A lot of people have lost their jobs. They worry about their family, their family who don't have epilepsy. So when you have other things such as epilepsy going on, you've still got to take your drugs. Maybe your seizures have changed. You know that your mental health, as you were saying, can impact your likelihood of having a seizure, having cluster or experiencing pseudo. So it's great that we spread this message that you're doing the study and that we are thinking of you. You are not forgotten. And we put a page even on the Epilepsy Sparks website about specifically pseudo. And we provide a link to your study because it's absolutely crucial. Yeah, I think it's really important. As you say, there are real world applications to talking about the impact that the pandemic's having, particularly on the epilepsy community. And we've also had a look at the the epilepsy bereaved community at the same time, because just like the, the kind of wider epilepsy community and the rest of us just kind of living our lives or trying to live our lives day to day at the moment, the impact on them has been significant. They've had a huge kind of change in what they're doing and, and how they're able to interact with the world. So we try and have a look at all of it just to build that picture. And hopefully we'll have some interesting results to share with you all soon. 
please tell us about Suit Up Action Day on the 23rd of October. It's coming up thick and fast and we're headlong into getting everything ready and getting it all organised. So for those of you who may not have heard of Suit Up Action Day before, it's a special day where we bring together organisations and people from around the world to raise awareness of SUDEP and epilepsy risks. It originally started in 2014. Um, it was originally called SUDEP Awareness Day, but we decided that actually awareness is one step, but actually we need to take it a step further and start taking action against SUDEP and making sure that we're really kind of driving forward to help raise awareness of these risks and to, to empower people to reduce them where possible. Last year, we had nearly 100 organisations across the world taking part, which was fantastic. We're hoping for a few more this year as well. And it's a whole event where people around the world, that, such as organisations, people living with epilepsy, health professionals, can all get involved in various different ways. Our theme this year is Speak Up to Save Lives, because as we know, and like we've been speaking about today, it's so important for people with epilepsy to know about epilepsy risks, to know about SUDEP, so that they can make those informed choices about their epilepsy and their lifestyle. So that's why we were encouraging everyone in one way or another to speak up because it really could save lives. There are loads of ways that people can get involved. So if you are quite interested or want to know a little bit more, then just go to the Suit Up Action Day um, microsite, which I'm sure, Tori, you'll be able to pop a link under this podcast. Indeed, I will. And... Fabulous. And that would be great. We'd really love as many of you to get involved as possible. Up Action Day can bring together so many organisations from all over the world. Uh, and I think it's really important to have a united front on why these issues matter and just have as much visibility of epilepsy as possible, which I know, Tori, is pretty much all of your work. It's my lifetime job yeah. to educate. <laughs> so, OK, Brill. And so bar, if we can even say bar the 23rd, because it is it is truly exciting and I can't wait. Um, if people just want to generally learn more about SUDEP, their own risks or the risk of their loved ones and SUDEP action as an organisation, what should they do? So I suppose if anyone has any questions about SUDEP or epilepsy risks more generally, the first port of call would be to try and speak to your health professional, whoever it is that helps support you with your epilepsy about that. Try them first because they should be able to give you some information and more importantly, they'll be able to tailor it specifically to you, your epilepsy and the risks that you may be facing. But there are also other places that you can go to. So speaking to your friends and family once you've learned some information as well so that they're able to help support you with this, maybe help you find out a little bit more as well. But then looking at epilepsy organisations, so looking at places like Sudef Action, going to other patient organisations' websites, and you can also download the EPSMON app. It's chock full of epilepsy risk information, as well as helping you kind of understand what those risks are. It will help signpost you to places where you can get additional advice. Brilliant. Thank you both so much, so much for your time. And we look forward to seeing all your posts on social media and joining you on the 23rd of October for Sudef Action Day. Thanks, Tori. Thanks Thank for having you. us. Today, I thank Sammy Ashby and Jennifer Thorpe for making us so much more aware of SUDEP and the cool research that is taking place behind the scenes. For more information on SUDEP Action, check out SUDEP.org, their special site for SUDEP Action Day, which is SUDEPActionDay.org, and use their hashtags SUDEPActionDay2020 and hashtag SpeakUp2, the number two, save lives. You can also find a whole page on the Epilepsy Sparks website about SUDEP and SUDEP action at epilepsysparks.com slash SUDEP. The Epilepsy Sparks Insights podcast is produced in London by myself, Tori Robinson, senior producer and founder of Epilepsy Sparks. 
Find Epilepsy Sparks and I on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn or Instagram. And we'd love to hear from you if you have any thoughts about today's show. Please subscribe to our podcast and know that we are always trying to improve from day one what we are doing here for the program. I'm Tori Robinson. Thanks for listening.